0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to see you this morning. Hey, we've been talking about uh, the book of Timothy. And uh, if you were here last week, we talked about the Apostle Paul. And he comes to the end of his life. And he talks about some of the things that he has confidence in. And he gives Timothy and some advice when it comes to the end of Timothy's life, when he gets there one day. And what I love about the Apostle Paul, there's a confidence as he ends the end of his life. There's no regrets. There's no sense that he's missed it. I don't know about you, but in all the stuff that you do in life, you want to know that you get to the end of your life and you've achieved something. Come on, who knows that? Who wants that? That you just haven't mucked around, that you just haven't wasted time. And the Apostle Paul speaks about that. And we talked about that last week. But not only Paul talks to Timothy about his life, but he also gives Timothy some good advice about Timothy's life. And I want to have a look at that this morning because I think there is some great advice here as we start off the new year. Come on, who knows that the Bible is full of great advice. And so we're going to have a look at that this morning about some of the wisdom that Paul gives to Timothy as he begins his ministry career. And it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, and we'll read the whole passage again. Paul is writing and Paul is speaking to his spiritual son. And he says, In the presence of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, who would judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. But you, everyone say, but you. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelists, Discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. This is what we preached about last week. And the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. Come on, don't you love that? Come on, who knows that we're involved in a good fight? I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And so Paul, as he begins to tell Timothy what he's achieved, that he's fought the good fight, that he's finished the race, that he's kept the faith, he now also turns the attention to Timothy to give Timothy some great advice about the beginning of what God wants to do. And you know, it is great advice, because last week we spoke about Ephesus, and we talked about that it was a large city, it was a significant city, but it was a city full of distractions. By the way, let me just pause here. It is Mick and Rose McConnery's 64th birthday this week. Oh, it's not birthday, wedding anniversary. You'd like to be 64 again, wouldn't you, Mick? 64 years. How awesome is that, eh? Fantastic. Where was I? And so in the backdrop of Ephesus, where it was a city of extremes, it was a city of distractions. We talked about how the very central piece of this particular ancient city was the Temple Artemis. And it was known, they recognised it as one of the ancient wonders of the world. It was so well known, it has had such a, a cultural heritage that when the Romans went and invaded that city, they allowed the Ephesians, to keep their own currency. But it was also a city of excesses. It was a city of extremes. It was a city of of a whole bunch of stuff that was going on. And so Paul comes to Timothy, and in that backdrop of excesses and distractions and temptations and things that can really get him off course, he gives Timothy good advice. And he says to Timothy, I love this phrase, but he says, but you, but you. We're going to focus on you. You know, sometimes in life we can get so distracted with all the different things around us that we actually forget to actually look at ourselves. And Paul is saying to Timothy, come on, let's talk about you. Let's talk, not talk about what you're going to do. Let's not talk about what you're going to wear. Let's not talk about world events. There's a whole bunch of world events going on around there. And I've got to tell you, sometimes we can get so caught up in world events that we can actually forget to actually look at ourselves and what we need to do in order to keep our house in order. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, in this crazy world of Ephesus, and if you were to read the history of that ancient city, you will see that many times it was uh, overrun. Many times there were different nations that would defeat it. In all of that, he's saying to Timothy, let's not focus on the peripheral, Let's focus on where you're at. And so for a few moments, can we actually do that? Rather than focusing on all the other things, all the things that can sometimes get us distracted, let's have a conversation about ourselves. I was reading this story about this lawyer the other day. He just brought himself a brand-new Porsche. He parked it in front of the office to show his colleagues. And as he was getting out of the car, a delivery truck zoomed by and completely smashed and knocked off the door of the Porsche. Well, the lawyer was furious. He was freaking out. He rings up on the phone. He calls the police. Five minutes later, the cops arrive. And before the police have a chance to answer any question or ask any questions, the man starts screaming uh, hysterically about his Porsche. He says, my Porsche, my beautiful Porsche is ruined. No matter how long it's going to be in the repair shop, it is never going to be the same again. After the man, after a few minutes, he'd finished his rant. The policeman shook his head in disgust. He says, I can't believe how materialistic you are. You lawyers are. You're all the same. You're so materialistic. You're to focus on your Porsche. You're so focused on your material possessions that you don't even care about anything else in your life. The lawyer looks at him and he says, how can you say such a thing as the time like this? my beautiful Porsche. It's ruined. The police officer looks at him and says, didn't you realise that your arm was torn off when the truck hit you? <laughs> the lawyer looked down in horror. And screamed, where's my Rolex? (laughs) So focused on the stuff, he forgot about himself. So focused on all the peripheral stuff, he actually forgot about where he was at. And Paul is giving good advice to Timothy. Good advice, not about stuff, not about peripheral things but about himself. This is great advice. I want to give you the headings and then we're going to break, break them down in, for just a few moments. He says to Timothy, he says, but you keep your head in all situations, discharge the duties of your ministry, endure hardship, and do the work of the evangelist. Keep your head in all situations, discharge the duties of your ministry, endure hardship, and do the work of the evangelists. Let's just talk about these things for a few moments. Paul comes to Timothy in a world of excess, in a world where anything goes. And he turns to Timothy and he says, keep your head in all situations. Church, I love that phrase. It means to be controlled. It means to be measured. It literally means to be sober. Now, it's not like he's saying to Timothy, you know what, Timothy, you've got a drinking problem. And, uh, you know, when you go to church, you've got to make sure that you're sober. You know, it's funny, I, I travel around the world and I go to different places and i never forget this. I, I was going into uh, one of these third world places where, uh, you know, uh, just marijuana grows on the streets. And there was a sign on church, on the top of church life saying, you know, as you walked in the door, there's a big sign that says, don't smoke marijuana in church. So, what type of church is that? I mean, he's not saying to Timothy... Because Timothy's got a drinking problem. He's talking about the sobriety of life. To be measured, to be controlled, to be calculated, not to allow issues to get away from you. And again, in a city like Ephesus, where really it was built on extremes, he says to Timothy, stay away from extremes. Don't go to the edges. You know, this idea of living with self-control, to be aware, to be measured. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about this. You know, I, I think living in extremes, I think whether it's extreme theology, I think whether it's an, an extreme point of view about the way things should operate in the earth, all of us are prone to extremes. But I'd say this to you and I, that I think just extremes just really make you waste a lot of energy and don't achieve anything in your life at all. You know, I often go to the gym, as you know, I often, you know, share some of the illustrations. And, you know, I was at gym the other day and, you know, I, you know I don't normally focus on anyone else. I come in there and I do my thing, get out, but there, I was there and I was working away. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, working at the gym, it's about controlled movements. It's not about how much you can, you know, you, know you can lift, you know, part of that's important as well, but it's about controlled movements. And this guy came and stood next to me and uh I'd never seen him before and normally I don't focus on anyone else. But he, he grabs a couple of weights and he just starts doing this. And then he did this. I thought it was an aerobic exercise from Richard Simmons. I even remember Richard Simmons years ago. And he starts moving around and doing this. And I thought, mate, you're going to knock someone out with those weights. And he probably did that for about half an hour. And he was sweating profusely. And he was all over. I mean, it was a magnificent show. But i would say this this morning. There was a lot of energy, a lot of extreme movement. But I wouldn't say that he actually achieved anything. I think in life when it comes to extremes, whether it's extreme thinking, I, tr- I think at times in church life, in the history of the church, the church has been caught up in extremes. Extremes when it comes to theology. Let me just say this. You can never take a scripture out of context. You can't take a little phrase out of the Word of God and build a theology around that. Context is one of the great things that will help you and I actually understand the Word of God. You know, the media loves to take one little phrase out of the Bible and build an extreme theology around that. And you know, many times in church life, you would have, if you've been in church life a long time, you would have seen this. You know, extremes when it comes to the moves of God, historical Pentecostal moves extremes when it comes to theology about what people should wear and the about what people should say and the about the way that people should not be happy in church. We have to be solemn. I can't find that anywhere in the Word of God, you know. And not that I'm having to go at our past, but I'm just saying that extremes are actually not healthy for you and I. And this is a favourite theme with Paul. He loves this idea of staying Away from extremes. And Paul is saying to Timothy, in the city like Ephesus, where there were extreme forms of living everywhere, don't be like that. And can I just say that the world likes to grab our attention when it comes to extremes. I was reading this book the other day about marketing. And they say, you know what, they just know what to, when to put on the right thing at the right time in TV. You know, I don't know about you, but I love salt and vinegar chips if I were to buy a packet of salt and vinegar chips versus I were to buy salt and vinegar chips in the fish and chip shop, who knows the packet of salt and vinegar chips are an extreme version of what you buy in the fish and chip shop. It's the same like that with all type of junk food because extremes have this ability just to grab our attention. Extremes have the ability just to get us of course. And the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, he said, don't live in the world of extremes, but be measured. Be controlled. Keep your head in all situations. The second thing that he says to Timothy, he says, discharge the duties of your ministry. Discharge the duties of your ministry. In other words, what is in here, get it out there. In other words, the thing that God has asked from you and I, that mandate, that sense to do good in the world, that purpose to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, that thing. You know, all of us wake up with a thing. Something that gets us up in the morning. Something that drives our agenda. Something that we were known, that we were made for. You know, one of the things I love hearing in our churches, all the, the, the different stories of people that God is just blessing and opening doors. You know, pray prayed for a guy last week and he comes up to me at the end of the meeting. And uh, you know, big tall guy, about six six foot seven, only 17 years old, and uh, you know, their family have been in our church for many years. He just got invited to Princeton University in America, hoping that he's going on to get onto one of the NBA squads. You know, um, you know, the thing, the thing, the thing that drives him. You know, I was talking to Michael Lewis just last last year, and you know, one of Michael, Lew- Michael Lewis is a fantastic artist, fantastic artist. You know, one of his works was actually in the New York Art Gallery just last year. You know, every single one of us have got a thing, something that drives us. And really, Paul is saying to Timothy, this thing that God has given you, this gifting, this ministry, this call, this purpose, discharge it. Get it out. Don't hang on to it. Don't lock it away. You know, so many times we get so fearful about the giftings and the talents that God has given us. And we say to ourselves, am I good enough? Will I really be able to make it in this world? You think about Timothy, he was just a young minister. And Paul is throwing him literally into this lion's den called Ephesus. Where really he was preaching directly against the culture of that city. And yet Paul says to Timothy, don't you hold back. Don't you allow fear to control your future. But get everything out that God has put actually in your heart. Church, I want to say this this morning. This is a great word of advice from the Apostle Paul, that we don't live life still carrying some of the mandate that God has given us and not actually doing something with it. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You say, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what my purpose is in life. If all you do is reconcile people, you are doing the will of God in your life. If all you do is actually just bring people into encounter with God, if all you do is actually say, you know what, I'm just going to do everything in my power to be a peacemaker. I'm going to be everything in my power to be someone who learns how to forgive. Can I just say this? If there's unforgiveness, get it out. Let forgiveness reign in your life. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about this morning. You know, it's not just sometimes we get so technical about this whole idea of Timothy and the ministries. Oh, well, I don't have a ministry. Well, we all got the ministry of reconciliation. Look what James 4 Verse 17 says, he says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If you see good but don't do it, it is sin. In other words, any goodness that's in you, come on church, just get it out. Come on, get it out. Don't hold back. Don't allow your goodness to be measured by other people's goodness on your life. You know, I've just made a decision in my life that I'm gonna be good to people even if they are bad to me. Because my goodness is not based on someone else's response. Right? My goodness is not based on who someone else is. Right? I'll tell you, look, all of us here, we've suffered injustice. We've gone through seasons where people have misunderstood us. We've gone through seasons that people have offended us, that have hurt us. Come on, who's ever had that in your life? Okay, no one's telling the truth here today. <laughs> we've all had it. The more that you encounter people... The more that you're going to go through hurt, pain, offenses, mistreatment, misunderstandings, but can I just say this? Don't allow your goodness to be based on someone else's response. Right? You think about Jesus, He suffered such an injustice, going to the cross. But he made a decision. He even turned to the thieves, and he, he said, "Forgive them because they don't know what they do. Just think about this whole idea about just not allowing, not allowing your goodness to be controlled by someone else's goodness on your life. Isn't what Jesus says, he talks about that if you were just to do what was expected of you, you're no good than a worthless servant. But come on church, we've been called to live at a higher level. We've been called to live at a higher purpose. That I only care the way that you respond to me, I'm choosing because of the character and the development of what God is shaping in my life. I'm choosing to respond in a different way. And this is what really Paul is saying to Timothy. Don't allow your goodness and your ministry to be shaped by the injustice of people. You just discharge the duties of your ministry. You just do what God has called you to actually do. Don't keep the word to yourself, don't allow it just to sit there, but activate it. You know, that's why the power of the Christian faith does not belong in the church, it actually belongs in the world. We come for inspiration on Sunday. We come to be encouraged on Sunday. We come to hear cheesy jokes on Sunday. But really it's not about Sunday. It's about discharging the God what God has put in our lives. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. But who we are in our fractured thinking and we're not perfect, and we get it wrong. And but at the end of the day, we have a treasure, and the treasure is not from us, but the treasure is from the Holy Spirit. God has given us the gift of salvation, and as we begin to begin to step out in faith, that's why it's interesting that the religious establishment never accepted the teachings of Jesus, because to them it was never about doing; it was always about learning and understanding. Don't get me wrong; we need to learn, we need to understand. But if it stops at learning, what have we actually achieved? It's more than just learning. It's more than just understanding. You know, there's some people that I meet, they just want deep teaching. They just want deep teaching of the Word. Praise God for people that want deep teaching. But if you're not doing anything, anything practical with that deep teaching, is it actually blessing anyone in your life at all? You know. And Paul is saying to Timothy, just get it out. Get the very mandate that I've given you. Get it out. In the world. You think about all the people that responded well to Christ. It often came to the common folk, as I mentioned before. You know, the woman at the well, when she received the word of Jesus, she went out and told people. The Bible says that when the demoniac was healed, he went out to the Decapolis, meaning 10 cities, began to spread the word of what Jesus actually did. The third one is this one. It's not a very popular point, but I do like it. He says to Timothy, endure hardship. Endure hardship. You see, there's a difference between enduring hardship and put up, putting up with hardship and tolerating hardship. He's not saying to Timothy, just endure it. Put up with it. Tolerate it. When hardship comes your way, when things happen in your life that you didn't expect kind of land at your feet. He's not saying to Timothy, just put up with it and tolerate it. He's saying something completely completely different. You know I think many times in life we tolerate difficult seasons. We just put up with difficult scenarios. But this is not what the apostle Paul is actually saying to Timothy. He's saying don't tolerate it, don't be shocked by it, don't be surprised by it. Don't let it be don't let yourselves be thrown by it. Don't allow hardship to actually lose your faith. Don't shy away from it. What he's really saying to Timothy, lean in on it. Lean on in this hardship that you're actually going through. You see, there's something, there is something in the kingdom of God about hardship that is actually going to develop your faith. I don't know why God actually chose hardship as one of the methods to actually mature you, to actually increase your wisdom, to actually shape you as an individual man and woman of God. But God has chosen sometimes not the easy way, but the hard way to actually shape you and develop you who you are today. I'm going to say this, as Paul is saying this to Timothy, he goes, hardship is going to come your way. The fact that you gave your life to Jesus didn't promise a rosy journey, that everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to be wonderful. He says, you are going to endure hardship, but don't shy away from it. Don't freak out. Don't lose your faith over it. Lean in on it because there's something about the purpose of God when you actually endure hardship the godly way. You know, there's a scale in marriage that when we do marriage counseling, we've done so many uh, uh, marriages since we've been here. We've been here, you know, Nick, this year, it's our 10th year, 10th year of being in the church. And, uh, you know, even looking at some of the, you know, the, the kids, you know, that are, you know, the parents, are just, we love it, right? We love it. But, there, you know, there's a... Um, there's a, there's a counseling course that we go through with, with, with couples before they get married to kind of prepare them for marriage. I mean, really, there's nothing really that can prepare for marriage, is it really? Oh. It's a roller coaster ride. Try to describe it to someone, you just go, you need to jump on the roller coaster. But it's a wonderful ride, amen? That was very quiet. It's a wonderful ride. And we will say, and we would take them through this particular prepare and enrich uh, survey. And what it does, it measures different uh, aspects of their marriage. And so they'll tick the survey, about the way that they would respond if they were married, based on their personality, based on their history, based on their past. And uh, it comes up with these different metrics. And then we help them go through the metrics, right? We we have a look at them and, and measure them and show you some of the things that you know, if that metric was strong or if that metric was unhealthy, that is gonna cause problems in your marriage. It was written by a team of psychologists. It's absolutely fantastic. And so, but one of the one of the metrics is avoidance. In other words, avoidance. So, in other words, if there is a couple that is a high in avoidance, it means that if there is an issue, they won't address it, they'll sweep it under the carpet. They'll avoid it. Come on, who's ever met anyone who's high in avoidance? Okay, no one's putting their hand up. You're a tough crowd this morning. You've got to work very hard, right? And so, high in avoidance. And so some people just live their lives like that. The moment there's conflict, they just want to avoid. The moment there's pressure, they just want to avoid. The moment there is something that may be challenging them, but it's going to be good for them, they'll just avoid. They're just constantly just avoiding some of the challenges and some of the things that are actually going to help make them grow. And Paul is saying to Timothy, don't be an avoider. Don't be high in avoidance. When hardship comes your way, lean in on it. Endure it. The other idea is don't be afraid of it. Learn how to lean in on difficult situations. You know, the Hebrew alignment word, the same Hebrew word to the Greek word that talks about hardship is this word that means to exert oneself. I, I think I like this. I think hardship challenges you to exert yourself beyond your natural means. Hardship actually brings something out of you. And what is fascinating is that Timothy was actually put into a culture, into the Ephesian culture, that didn't endure well, didn't endure hardship well. There was no hardship because they were the talk of the town. They were the ancient wonder of the world. There wasn't a lot of hardship because everything was surrendered are centred around that temple. And I think I mentioned last week about the history of Ephesus, where they actually talked about, they said that when the temple actually fell, the whole city was decimated. So it's almost like the temple was the strength of that city. That if they could destroy the temple, the the, the warring army could destroy the temple, then the whole city would actually fall apart. And that's exactly what happened. The moment that, I think it was the Goths in 265, uh, when the Goths actually came and destroyed Ephesus once and for all, they went after the temple. And they say that when the temple was in ruins, within a short period of time, the whole city fell apart. Listen, think about this. From a well-known city to ruins, it wasn't really standing on a really strong foundation, you know. But think about this, right? Our strength is not in the temples that we have built. Our strength is not in the temples that we have built our strength is in the fact that the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if an artifact in Rome would fall apart, the Christian faith wouldn't die and fall apart. You think about the different movements or different historical contexts of things that were built around things, built around significant monumental moments. Think about what the Bible says in the Old Testament about the, about the Tower of Babel. The moment that thing fell down, Everyone was actually scattered. But you and I, we are different, church. We are different because the strength of our faith is not being built on an artifact in Rome 2,000 years ago or maybe in the Toronto movement where the blessing of God poured out a few years ago. But the strength of who we are has been built on us, the individual person, because the Bible says that all of us, when we give our lives to Jesus, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our temple is not made by human hands. We are the temple of God. We are more resilient than bricks and mortar. And Paul is saying to Timothy, don't be like what you see around you. Fragile living, fragile empires. They can be decimated so quickly. Hardship produces something in you, but it doesn't overcome you because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It produces something in you. You understand this, right? You understand this, the reason why you're resilient is not because you've got a great personality. The reason why you keep bouncing back is not because you may have had great parents. The reason why you keep bouncing back is because you have this treasure in earthen vessels that actually sits within you, right? It's not because of anything else. And I think that when people go through some stuff, when they go through some storms and they've endured some stuff and they've walked through some difficult roads, those people have got something in them a measure of faith a measure of tenacity a measure of wisdom I heard this phrase the other day the people who have already walked through the fire can help you do the same so who are you surrounding yourself with Don't surround yourself with people that have the greatest opinion surround yourself with people that have walked through fire because they can actually help you go through the actual same thing Don't walk around don't listen to people that are the loudest on Facebook but haven't achieved anything in their life Don't listen to people that just have a big opinion about everything, but have never walked through anything. I'm looking for the people in life that have gone through the fire. I'm looking through the people that have gone through some hardship. Come on. I'm looking for the people that have gone through some difficult seasons. They're the people that I want surrounding my life. I can learn from those people. I can draw wisdom from those people. I can get something from those people. And Timothy's drawing wisdom from Paul because of everything that Paul went through. The other idea here is that Paul is talking to Timothy about joining him in suffering. When he says endure hardship, he's talking about joining him in suffering. And as Timothy is a kind of successor to Paul in this instance, this makes sense. He's really asking Timothy to take on that as well. To take on the ability to actually endure. To take on his mantle of breaking ground that comes with a level of suffering. To take on the responsibility of establishing churches. Not just to have the good stuff, but to have the bad stuff, the challenging stuff as well. You know, it's funny, I heard this story the other day. And as we know, Reiner Bonnke passed away a few months ago. And Someone was telling me this story about this young man that wanted the Reinhard Bonnke anointing. So he searched for months trying to find out where this older man of God lived. And he finally found him. And he knocks on his door. And Reiner Bonnke opens the door and he said, Reiner, I've been looking at you for months. I've been searching and searching. I want your anointing. I want your anointing. And Ryan had looked at him and said, go find your own anointing and slam the door. And the point was, he goes, I can't give you my anointing because with my anointing comes hardship. With my anointing, there's some stuff that I've had to walk through. With my anointing, there's been some challenges that I've had to face. With my anointing, there's been a myriad of disappointments, you know. And I got to say this, you know, we talked about this in our legacy build. This year, I'm sure there was a measure of hardship when this church was built. I'm sure there was a measure of enduring when they had to build the foundation and they had to pour the slab and they had to take steps of faith. i am got to say this, I've said this before. We never want to be a generation that shy away where we want the blessing, but we don't want the hardship. We want both. We want to walk the road of challenge. We want to walk the road of sacrifice. We want to do the same thing. And this is really what Paul is saying to Timothy He's saying, endure hardship as I have and as every other man and woman of God has as well. The final one is this. He says, do the work of the evangelist. And that's fairly self-explanatory. He's specifically asking Timothy to do the work of the evangelist. He's not saying to Timothy, you are an evangelist. I think sometimes when it comes to sharing our faith, we say, well, that's for the evangelist. But remember, Paul is sending Timothy out to establish the church in Ephesus to help strengthen the pastoral staff and to help some of the stuff that was going on. And yet he says, go ahead, but do the work of the evangelist. And the reality was it probably was never a great day, never a great time for Timothy to actually speak about the gospel. You know, I think sometimes that we are always looking for the right season, the right place, the right time, the perfect opportunity. I think if anything in this life today, I think that there's more of a challenge than ever to actually share our faith. Not in a combative way, not in a judgmental way, Because the Bible says it's good news. It's not bad news. It's not judgmental news. It's good news. It's news that can actually help people. It's news that can actually encourage people. It's news that can actually lift people up. It's news that can actually help people on the inside. It's news that can actually bring peace into people's lives that they have never, ever experienced before. And Paul is saying to Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. You know, sometimes we focus on all the other stuff, we don't focus on the stuff that is actually going to build our faith, going to strengthen our resolve and is going to help us in the long run. Endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist. You know, I heard this phrase the other day, a year from now, you wish you had started today. A year from now, you'd wish you'd started today. I really felt this morning, I'm not going to get you to come out the front, but I did feel this morning that maybe there are people here and you've shied away from difficulty. You know what you need to do is right, but you've shied away from the pressure of going through that difficult season. If you were to start today on the things that you know is right, on the things that you know are going to build your future, maybe it's going for a new job and the awkwardness of having to go for that. Maybe, it's, having to say, maybe it's, it's actually having to say no to a few things that are actually hurting you and your family. Maybe today it's about maybe breaking some relationships that are really have not been healthy to your soul. And sometimes you and I, we like to shy away from difficult scenarios. But if you were to start today, this year, where do you think you would be at the end of 12 months? Can I encourage you today, don't be a person who shies away. Don't be high in avoidance and shy away from things that are actually maybe hard to endure, but are actually going to bring blessing and health into your soul, you know. I think it's a great lesson in life. And again, Paul has given Timothy great advice, great advice. He says, endure hardship, endure hardship. Just receive it, lean in on it. You'll be amazed what it actually does in your life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, Check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.